Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Mark is here with you for Arcady Economics on Friday, August 12th. And today I'm excited to have Jorge Ganosa from Fortuna Silver, along with Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics. <clears throat> we are going to dig into Fortuna's second quarter earnings that were released after the close on Wednesday. And we will also be taking questions. So feel free to start sending them in. And with that said, Jorge, it's great to have you back on the show. Nice to see you again and appreciated your call yesterday. And how are you doing today? You know, thanks uh, again for the invitation and the opportunity to speak to your, your audience and be here with Dave. You know? Looking forward to sharing the, the results with you guys again. Well, I appreciate that. And Dave, our analyst on, on the other side there, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing okay. Well, not anxious for the end of summer, but enjoying what we have left, that's for sure. Well, amazing that we are in mid-August, halfway through 2022. And with that said, I think, Jorge, it would be nice if you could start giving a review of the earnings for the second quarter that you released on Wednesday. And then after that, we'll open it up to questions. But perhaps you could start and walk us through that. Yes, no, we had a solid uh, operational quarter. Uh, we pre-released uh, results in uh, production results in July 11. So uh, up to mid-year, we have produced uh, 129,000 ounces of gold, 3.3 million ounces of silver, which basically puts us right in the middle of our guidance range for the year. No? So on the production side, uh, we're right there. With respect to cost, what we reported is uh, costs at all of our mines from the all-in sustaining cost perspective uh, are within our guidance. Uh, inflationary pressures are real and uh, on diesel, explosives, uh, cyanide, uh, steel. So our costs at uh, three of our four operating mines have gravitated towards the upper range of guidance. But our lowest cost operation today is uh, Lindero in Argentina, which is tracking at around $1,100, $1,150 per, per ounce all in sustaining. So very competitive cost. We have very healthy margins there. Uh, or Yaramoco mine for the quarter came in at uh, $1,500. But for the year, we're tracking at around $1,300 all in sustaining cost. So we managed to retain healthy margins at that operation as well. And on our silver mines, uh, San Jose and, and uh, Cayoma, uh, San Jose came in at $15 per ounce, all in sustaining for silver, uh, you know, managing to keep a, a decent margin. And uh, Cayoma, which is a steady performer, came in at uh, around $18, right? So, uh, all of our mines have a margin and, and, uh, and, and right within our expectations for, for, for the year. You know? Those are the costs we guided for the year. On the financial side, we had a strong sales of about $168 million. Uh, or EBITDA came at around $58 million uh, for the second quarter. That's an EBITDA margin of around 34%. We like to see EBITDA closer to 40 at least. So this is one of those quarters where 
uh, or, or EBITDA margin dipped below the 40%, but we believe we, we, we will, for the year, end up 40 plus on EBITDA margin, something that we watch closely. Uh, we generated healthy free cash flow, $22 million in the quarter. Uh, and then that's important, right? Uh, now, on the earnings per share, we came under consensus, under analyst consensus. Analyst consensus was around six cents. We came in with uh, small earnings of uh, adjusted earnings of about $2 million, uh, about a cent, two cents per share. Uh, but you know what? This has been a quarter where most of our peers uh, in the silver, gold producer space for emerging mid-sized producers have been in the deep red. So uh, I think that Fortuna has been able to log uh, uh, gains in the quarter, small gains, but gains. And, uh, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that because it speaks about the, the, the quality of the assets and, 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 and the good work that our teams are doing uh, at the sites, right? Uh, we have a lot of initiatives to mitigate cost pressures. And again, we're tracking within guidance for costs. Uh, and more importantly, we, this is a big capital year for us. We are building what will be our fifth mine in, in, in uh, Ivory Coast, in, in Africa, in West Africa. And uh, the construction as of the end of June is 66% complete. Uh, today, you know, it's more like 70% complete. Uh, and uh, we have already deployed about $100 million or the total 170 million CapEx. Uh, and uh, we are on time, on budget. So in spite of this uh, challenging uh, environment on, on supply chain strains and, and, and inflation, we have managed to keep the, bud, the, the, the construction on time on budget. And I think that speaks about good planning, strong team, and years of experience deployed towards the construction uh, strategy and, and execution, right? So, so I'm, I'm, you know, I think overall has been a very strong quarter. And uh, we, we have a strong liquidity position of about $136 million. So we are well covered to meet all of our capital demands. Uh, 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 we have a low uh, debt leverage, no? or debt to EBITDA ratio is uh, under 0 0.5. So, uh, you know, the company is looking very strong. Uh, we had a strong quarter, albeit we disappointed some analysts on the earnings, but you know what? Through the quarter, uh, from April to June, we saw a steep decline in silver and zinc prices. That 40%, uh, 50% of our sales are in concentrate. So there we are exposed to provisional pricing. So we took a hit of about $6 million on provisional pricing adjustments because of how the concentrates sales are priced. So a deep a decline in prices hits us back at the end of the period. So we got that hit of about $6 million. And then we had a write uh, down of uh, low grade stockpiles or Yaramoko for about $4 million. So that amounted to you know, $10 million, $11 million. 
So, you know, uh, that doesn't mean that this, those low-grade stockpiles are not going to run through the mill. It's just an accounting adjustment. Uh, so, you know, in spite of the miss on earnings per share against the, the street consensus, you know, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm feeling good. We're calm that uh, the business performed well. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously the challenge has been, we have rising inflation and the silver price has been down. You talked about that a little bit. Is there anything that can be done managing those things going forward or how that impacts any decisions you make or how could we look at that? Yes, I mean, you know, I, I think all across the industry, we see uh, management and different teams trying to, to implement or, or further uh, optimization initiatives. You know, we have a few opportunities. Uh, for example, uh, we are reducing or optimizing more than optimizing cyanide consumption at the Lindero mine. Uh, we are deploying initiatives to reduce uh, fuel consumption. Uh, so, we have been able to drop cyanide consumption from about half a kilo per ton to about 0.29 kilos no, per ton. Uh, that's makeup cyanide, right? Uh, and not, not lose uh, extraction rates, right? Mm. So, you know, that, that's an important uh, opportunity we're capturing. In the process at the Lindero mine, we use uh, sulfuric acid and uh, our sulfuric acid consumption has dropped by roughly 40, 50% as well. So, uh, you know, uh, but I believe everybody's doing some of that and, and, and uh, we have some of those opportunities and we're capturing. On, on the pits, we are developing auxiliary ramps. So we advance some CAPEX in order to reduce and be more efficient with uh, whole distances and, and reduce fuel consumption, no? No? So, so uh, well, a lot of those things are being, uh, are being implemented, right? Uh, I don't think you can uh, net the full impact of, of, uh, of uh, inflation, but you ameliorate it for sure, right? Okay. And uh, can you talk a little bit more about the $4 million write down at Yaramoko? And I know, Dave, in your mining stock journal, you mentioned that's something that could be offset with higher gold prices. Would that be accurate? Yes. Well, my, my point on it was, was that just because it was written down doesn't mean it's not going to be used. And, you know, you get a little bit of a higher gold price. You probably, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, you're probably going to recoup more than that $4 million non-cash write down. It is an accounting figure. Uh, the value, you know, th that's a legacy from the transaction, right? So uh, those stockpiles were there and it is now that we have gotten to them and, and, and seen that, you know, they are uh, accounted for and valued in, in a way that in today's price environment, you know, uh, uh, we see a, a discrepancy with of about $4 million. So we decided to adjust that 
But that does not mean that that, that ore is not going to run through the mill. What we saw was an accounting adjustment, right? Uh, and even at these prices, that ore is going to run through the mill. You know? mm. uh, it's just an accounting adjustment to the value of those uh, stockpiles. You know? Okay. And Dave, did you have any questions today that you would like to run by Jorge before we open up to the audience and a few more that I have? <laughs> um yeah first of all i just wanted to say because because of you know the environment that we're in i normally don't spend a lot of time going through the large producer 10 q's and k's and earnings reports but i've i've sifted through several of them over the last couple of weeks it started with newmont and you know i just want to say I, I think you guys have done as good a job as any mining company that i've producing mining company that I've looked at in terms of navigating um, the costs. And you guys seem to have managed your costs as well as any of them out there. So my hat's off to that. Thank you. <laughs> and one of the other things that, like I, I was kind of thinking the response yesterday in the stock price was not rational. And, you know, when you, when you do things like add back in the $4 million non-cash write-down. That's a non-recurring thing. You're going to recoup that back. Um, and then my understanding is about a million and a half of the SGNA was related to the Roxgold acquisition and expenses that were incurred that are not going to be recurring. So if you back that out, um, you know, from an income statement standpoint, your numbers look really, really good. But for me, what I what I like to do because I, I don't really care that much about the performance on a gap accounting basis. I always go right to the statement of cash flows. And for the second quarter, your operations generated 47.4 million in cash versus 29.5 million in Q2 2021. So to me, that, that shows the cash generation potential of, of, what you have your operations as they are right now. Yeah, I mean, as I tried to stress in the call and, and uh, this is a business that's driven by physical metrics. How many ounces you deliver and at what cost. And uh, as I said, we delivered 129,000 ounces, which is basically what we said we were gonna do at the beginning of the year. And our costs came in within the range that we provided at the beginning of the year. So what you have on the other end then is cash flow and, and EBITDA and all of those things. So, the, uh, you know, we had a strong mine operating income, uh, you know, over $30 million. Uh, in the period, we had a, a strong cash flows. Uh, free cash flow at around 22 million no? after uh, mine uh, operating operating asset reinvestment. Uh, so it was a really good quarter. Now the earnings per share were impacted by non-cash items and, and uh, uh, were were implemented by uh, were by impacted by. As I said, the negative price adjustments. In the quarter, uh, in a, from April to, to June, 
zinc dropped from $1.90 per pound to around $1.45 per pound. And silver dropped about $3. $3 was the drop in silver price from, the, from April to June. So because we sell concentrates, we get provisional pricing every month. Mm. That provisional pricing is adjusted with M plus one. So delivery plus one month. So at the end of the quarter, that was closed. And, and we took an adjustment. No? So, so that's what hit the quarter. Uh, but if you adjust for those things, you know, our earnings came in around, you know, in a difficult month, quarter, 12, you know, some companies took some monumental uh, 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 write-downs uh, or, or and, and most of our peers were deep in the red. Uh, yeah. we, in spite of all of this, we managed to log a, a gain, small, but, but, but a gain. So I think it speaks about the, the strength of the business. I, uh, no, I'm very, very, actually very happy with, with the operational and financial results of the quarter, no? considering all of this, right? Apparently someone out there did not understand it like that, but uh, you know what? We have to focus on, on what we control and that's what we're doing and the business is doing well and communicating, right? And, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, when, when you dig through the numbers pretty deeply, it's actually, there. I mean, it was a great quarter below the, below the surface on the, on the gap presentation of the numbers, which I, I don't, you know, I have to look at them, but that's not my area of focus. Um, one thing I, I will point out, especially with some of the cost savings measures that you're implementing. I mean, if we get a nice rally in the precious metal sector, and I think we're starting one, in the future quarters, just the existing base of mine operations, it's gonna become like a money tree because you've gotten, you've adjusted to the market and gotten your expenses down to the current operating environment. So if we get a small break in price inflation, even if it declines, I'm not saying we're gonna have negative inflation, but the rate of inflation declines, um, with your cost structure that you have now, I mean, you're going to generate a lot of cash. And, and, and more importantly, we did a significant acquisition last year that was also not very well understood. And, and we always knew it was going to be short-term pain for long-term gain. But next year, we have Seguela coming into production. And uh, Seguela is a mine that's going to be producing... 130 to 150,000 ounces a year in the initial years at an all-in sustaining cost of $900. Uh, no, has reserves right now for close to 10 years. And we just brought in an additional discovery uh, at Sunbird, an, an additional 350,000 ounces that remain open and continue growing. So, so uh, I think the business right now is supposed to have, even if things remain as they are with respect to price and, and, and uh, commodities prices, precious metal prices, I think you know, we're supposed to have a, a very strong future, you know, and that's an immediate future starting next year. So today we have a sound business generating free cash flow with you know, mines operating with good margin. Uh, and, and that is going to just become even better next year. Now, a cons the construction is a construction is always a concern, but we are well funded. We don't need 
additional debt or, or access the equity market. Uh, we are well funded to finish that construction. Uh, and the construction by now is 70% complete. So it's largely the risk, not completely the risk, but largely the risk. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm feeling very good. No, very good. My, my job is to provide investors with optionality. And uh, I think this quarter has been a testament to that. Again, most of our peers have been in deep in the red. Uh, and and uh, not taking big uh, hits on, on, hits on, on their uh, impairments and, and, uh, and, uh, and just operating losses. Look at operating income, look at mine operating yeah. income. Very weak or even in the red. No, we generated $30 million plus on operating in, mine operating income. Uh, EBITDA was very strong at almost $58 million. Uh, free cash flow. So, no. so you brought up one of my favorite terms with regard to looking at junior mining stocks, which is optionality. And the exercise I like to go through with Segala. And um, Chris, if you want, you could throw up that map. I actually... If I look at Segala as a standalone junior development project, what I see with it, and then obviously you're going to be producing gold next year. So, you're, you know, it's, it's transitioning into production. But I, I kind of feel like what we're looking at is a, a property that hosts multiple deposits that will be feeding a centralized processing and milling operation. And I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to what the upside is in terms of the potential size of the resource, but it looks to me like Sunbird is going to have a higher grade than the grade in your existing resource. And so I was just wondering, you know, how are you looking at Segala in terms of, of developing more of those deposits? And do you think there's some more Sunbirds on the property? Yes. And, and uh, let me take a second here to say that the driver for the Rockwell acquisition was Segela, right? Yaramoco is generating currently about $25, $30 million a year in free cash for the company. Uh, it's a nice little operation. Uh, but the, we always knew that that mine was just going to help fund the construction of the next one, which is this one, right? I mean, that was our purview. This is this is going to be a flagship property for years to come. No, Segela is uh, people because of the nature of the deposit. Investors still don't quite understand what Segela means, right? Because we don't have one massive large gold deposit. These are scattered. Uh, 300, 500,000 ounce deposits, but we have several of those. Currently we have, uh, you know, as you see here, six, and Sunbird still not in the mine plan. Sunbird was a discovery a little over a year ago that now there is an inferred resource and uh, for next year it's gonna come into our mine plan. But Sunbird is not in our mine plans yet. And as you described, it is a, a higher grade uh, resource. So, uh, I think it's very simple. We will have a centralized mill and, and, 
and uh, we control 30 kilometers of the belt as, as uh, shown here by Chris. Uh, and we have six identified deposits and 40 untested targets. We wow. have done some work on some of those, some preliminary work, for example, Gavro North, there you see we intersected with drilling four meters at 23 grams gold and eight meters at 39 grams gold. So that still needs to be followed up. We don't really understand what's there. I don't know how big is it or, or no. Uh, same thing with Winnie. With Winnie, we have rock chips with uh, 68 grams gold and, and a trench, a 52 meter trench with one and a half grams gold. At Foley, Foley, we are getting some uh, recent success there. Foley is only a few kilometers away from, from Ancien. And uh, look at the grades, no? Uh, three meters mm. below 80 grams. I mean, the place is peppered with noise. How many deposits are gonna come out of that? It's work that's gonna take years. But what I envision is a process where you know, every so often we come up with a new sunbird, no? Before sunbird, we had Kula. Kula is currently in our mine plants, but uh, two years ago, Kula didn't exist. So the, the rock school team identified Kula, developed Kula. Kula is gonna be one of the highest grade open pits in the world. Wow. Uh, it's gonna be, it's a small resource, but it's going to be an open pit mining six, seven grams coal, Oof. right? Uh, and then it will transition to the underground. Uh, and mineralization remains open. So after Kula, the team discovered Sandberg. No? So in a period of 36 months, 40 months, we have come up with Kula and Sandberg. And we have one drill rig quietly but steadily uh, testing all of those little stars that you see peppered throughout the property, throughout the 30 kilometer structural corridor that we control. It's good rocks, good geology. We sample gold on surface, it's there. We just need to drill test it and define resources. So uh, today, uh, Seguela has reserves and resources for 10 years plus. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I think this is a, a flagship property. The internal rate of return that we have on this project right now, it's in the high 30s, low 40s. But again, that is not capturing Seguela. I mean, Sunbird, sorry, right? So, and, and, and any of the other value that we see in all of those prospects, with, you know, my expectation is that, no, of course, not all of those are gonna pan into a mineable deposit, but certainly a few of them will, I, I would expect, right? So the, the, the existing mine plan is what, 120, 130,000 ounces a year of, of production? For the initial years, right now we have uh, between 130 and 150,000 ounces of gold annually. For okay. the first four, five, six years, and then in the current mine plan, it tails down to 120, but that is not considering Sandberg. Now, when Sandberg comes into the mine plan, you know, we will be able to 
extend those that higher rate of coal production even further in the mine. Right, that is an expectation. Can you expand the processing, the size of the processing facility? Yes, and uh, we are in early discussions regarding how can we tackle that. We uh, left some uh, uh, expansion room in the design, right? So uh, we have to get the plant going in, in uh, mid next year. The plan, the processing facility was designed with the hardest rock. The, the design criteria used the hardest rock that we have on the property, which is the antenna deposit. But all the other deposits have a softer rock uh, that is not as abrasive and, and hard. So just out of that, I think we can potentially get room for an expansion plus the expansion uh, room that we left in the design. So we can easily accommodate an expansion here. The, the question is more to what rate, no? But that was what my I next question. <laughs> yeah, but what, what, what I would expect, Dave, is that uh, this grows in a bit of a staged approach, no? For example, or, or San Jose mine in Mexico, went through a similar phase. That mine started operating at 1,000 tons a day. Then we moved up to 1,500, then to 2,000, and then we jumped to 3,200 tons per day. No? Okay. That took place over a four-year period. I would expect this goes through a similar phase, no? uh, perhaps not as staged, but you know, from, first we'll see how much it can give us. And then we'll make a jump based on the reserves and resources that we see. No, That's something that could happen in 2024, 25. No, that jump. Oh, that's soon. Ah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you think? I mean, do you think that this could? You could see something that produces 200,000 ounces a year. You think it could get that high? You know. Uh, I'm not a promoter, I'm a technical person. I, I appreciate that about you as well. You know, I, I think that uh, what, what I see today is a clear opportunity to make 150,000 ounces a base. Okay. No, I think the, the opportunity is there to make 150,000 a base of production. So, so, for me to tell you if it's 200, no, I, I think with what we see today, we can clearly make 150,000 a base of product you know, from there on, no? and support it over time. And bear in mind that these are 150,000 ounces that are quite profitable, right? Uh, with all in sustaining costs under $1,000, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Looking at this just as a standalone operation, if you get up to 150,000 ounces with your cost structure and, and the grade of the, the head grade that you'll be you know, running through the, the mill, I mean, Segala alone, I would, I would think right now, let's just say it was at that point where it's operating like that, Segala alone, I think would be probably capped at somewhere between I don't know, half a billion and three quarters of a billion dollars as a standalone entity. Absolutely. 
And so, and I mean, the market cap of Fortuna right now is 780 million plus or minus. And and, uh, we have three mines today in in our portfolio with uh, 10 years plus in life of mine, uh, Seguela, Lindero, which is operating at $1,100 per ounce of insustaining. And uh, Cayoma, which is our smaller asset, no, it's it's a small free cash contributor. It contributes, you know, eight, nine, ten on a good year, 15, 18 million dollars of free cash. But you know, quietly it's always there, always contributing. Uh, and then we have the other two mines, Yaramoco and San Jose, where we're running short on reserves. And we, those are a focus of uh, exploration right now to you know replenish what we consume. So, so the portfolio I think is quite balanced. And, and, and something that people don't realize is that Fortuna has been changing and gearing. We've been strategically gearing towards these longer life assets that give investors better predictability because that's what gives optionality. And that's our strategic mindset. I want to provide you optionality, and it's hard to do that with assets that have four or five years of reserves. I need 10 years of reserves to give you the optionality. So we are moving strategically more towards those type of assets. Fortuna was founded, like many of the silver producers, on mines that usually operate with three, four, go crazy, six years in reserves, right? Uh, we, we are moving more towards assets that give more predictability to the investor. Segela being an example. So, I mean, Segela basically seems like a, a, a world, a potential to be a world-class mine. How, how you know, when, once you get it up to the production size that you think it's capable of, of doing, I mean, where is that going to rank versus other mines in West Africa in terms of, of size and grade? Well, in, in West Africa, is, is a region that today hosts literally world-class deposits, right? Mm-hmm. I think what uh, doesn't uh, allow today Segela to be viewed as, 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 as such is that the nature of mineralization, as I said, we don't have one deposit with uh, you know, a million and a half ounces, right? Or two million ounces. The ounces are spread in different centers within a radius, right? So, so uh, our biggest deposit today has 400,000 ounces. Our second biggest deposit has 350,000 ounces. They're all, you know, a kilometer apart, two kilometers apart. We have uh, deposits with 180,000 ounces, right? So, so uh, when you look at the aggregate, you, know, you, you, you see the picture. But uh, so, so what I envision is that we'll continue to build ounces over the years from those type of satellites, right? Because that's the nature of mineralization. And that's what created the opportunity there because Newcrest had this deposit before. And I think mm. the Rochville team with good foresight saw, hey, listen, uh, you know, Newcrest was looking for that anchor multi-million ounce deposit, but the geology doesn't lend itself to that. You can probably get there, but you get it with these satellites, you know, a collection of satellites. 
And new Christine apparently have that on the mindset, right? I believe we can get to that. It's just gonna take a bit of time and you have to be in the mindset that those ounces are gonna come from multiple satellites, right? Jorge, we have some questions coming in from the audience. John asked with so many relatively, uh, really cheap juniors out there, have you considered another acquisition or add-on operation? You know, we are focused right now on the delivery of a, a Seguela a, before we believe that before we go seeking growth outside of the portfolio, we have to make sure that we harvested all the opportunities we have in our portfolio. <laughs> and that is for the benefit of the shareholder. Because any acquisition, uh, any transaction is, means a deployment of capital or dilution. And, and before we do that, we need to make sure that we have captured all those organic growth and value opportunities we have before we look abroad. No? And right now, as I just explained, we, we have a Seguela coming into production. That's the best use of funds we can have right now. That's the best return for our shareholders is us deploying funds towards that. Uh, we have exploration opportunities within our portfolio. So, so uh, yeah, we see a lot of cheap uh, juniors out there, here and there. Uh, but we also see that the best bank for a buck is within the farm. No? So that's our priority right now, at least for the next 12 months, at least for the next Okay, and another question that comes in quite a bit, I know that I've talked with uh, Carlos about this, but people look at the first Majestic withholding silver production. Is that something you guys have considered doing or what are your thoughts on that? You know, we don't withhold silver. Uh, I think we had a discussion on this before. Uh, I think there are two reasons for why a company could withhold silver. One is you have a view that short-term silver prices are going to bounce back, and that's you know, a speculation. Uh, and, and second, you want to put pressure on the market. No? And, and I think uh, Keith uh, speaks about that, and I praise him for that. But to achieve pressure on the market, Primary silver producers, uh, and again, we all silver producers, I don't think anyone produces more than 50% of revenue from silver, not even first majestic. Uh, we account only for about one third of global silver production. The remaining two thirds come from monster copper and base metal mines, right? So to put pressure on, on the silver market withholding uh, silver at the silver mines, I, I'm not sure how effective that can be, right? I, I understand the, the, the proposition, but uh, I am, I'm just not, not convinced uh, that can have an impact. Uh, now, if you withhold silver because you believe that short term you can achieve a higher price, yes, absolutely. We, we don't do that. No, we are in the market participating every day. Uh, uh, we don't hedge precious metals. No. Uh, 
Okay, and we have a question just wondering when are the next drill results expected? We have 12 drill rigs turning and uh, our highest value opportunities are clearly in Seguela. And uh, we reported results uh, a month ago, I believe, a month and a half ago. And uh, I would expect that uh, end of August, early September, we are publishing results again. Okay, and one last one from my side here. Now that it's been a year since the Rocks Gold transaction, it seems like, as you've discussed, that there is a lot of potential and things have gone well on that side. <clears throat> is there anything else that has been different from what you first expected during the time of that transaction? Anything that's changed significantly? Uh, no. Uh, you know, I think some investors, for example, have uh, seen as a surprise that uh, the cost increases at uh, Yaramoco, and they have expressed it to me. Uh, Yaramoco is currently operating at, you know, 1500 For the first half of the year, it's around $1,300, $1,400 per ounce of inclusive. And I think uh, rock school investors from the past we're used to seeing the mine operating more in the range of 1100, no, 1200. But uh, what I say to them is that that is no surprise to us because it's clearly, that trend is clearly observed in the reserve profile. If you look at the reserves of the Yaramoco mine, you see that the reserve grade is declining. No, so when we looked at the Roxwell acquisition, we clearly observed that and we modeled that. But apparently, some Roxwell investors, uh, to them, uh, was a surprise to see Roxwell uh, Yaramoco operating today at those costs versus what they were operating at before the transaction. No, is the same mine operating team that Roxwell had a year ago operating the mine today the only thing that has changed is the reserves and and there are, there should be no surprises there because uh what they're mining is what has always been in the reserve inventory right so we we always expected that and, and, and so to us it's no surprise but i do see some investors asking, well, why is Yaramoco cost so high now? I'm like, because it's in the reserve. <laughs> They're producing less gold for the same cost, right? It's lower grade. They're mining six grams now, not nine or 10. Mm. It's as, as simple as that, right? It's still uh, a good grade. <laughs> it's still a good grade, but you know, if, if you ask me if what has changed, from our perspective, very little, if any. Uh, and... Uh, but from, from some investors, uh, shareholders of Roxwell from previous, uh, before the transaction, that has been a question that has come up at least on a couple of occasions. Okay, and we do have another question coming in. And I know you mentioned this yesterday on the call that you did. Uh, Bob is asking about the buyback program that you guys have been doing. Any, anything you could comment on there? Yes. You know, we initiated uh, the, the non-core seizure bid, the shares repurchase program. And uh, we participated 
I would say timidly in the second quarter, we, we returned to shareholders, you know, about $3 million in share repurchases uh, that we have eliminated. Uh, but you know what, even though we see the, the valuation of the company quite depressed, we have to be uh, disciplined because we have a capital uh, intensive year. This year, the capital demands of Fortuna amount to $244 million. It's our highest CapEx year in the company's history. We are well-funded to meet that, but as you can imagine, we run sensibility on prices and cash flow and everything. And we are in a volatile, silver and gold uh, price environment. So even though we are tempted to participate more aggressively in the share repurchase program, we have to temper that with the responsibility that we have to deliver Seguela uh, without any hiccups, right? So uh, even if prices drop and through $1,600, I need to be able to tell you that we are still funded to meet and deliver that mine because that mine will be a, and represents a, a strong future for years to come for the company and should, we should not compromise that. So we temper our appetite to short-term participate in the market versus guaranteeing that we have the right treasury and balance cash balance to, to deliver that growth. You know? and, and, and so we have participated timidly. Of course, we would be tempted to, to, to do more, but we time that. We will continue to time that looking at our cash. As, as Seguela is further the risk, we'll probably be more aggressively participating. Okay. Dave, did you have any final questions before we wrap up today? I, you know, I just <clears throat> wanted to circle back really quickly to the question about, you know, would they consider acquiring, you know, an, another junior given where, you know, the depressed prices across the whole sector and <clears throat> they don't need to, they've already, they've already paid for a junior in Bosura. I mean, if you look at Bosura as a standalone, that could be a, that could be a whole junior company in and of itself especially if you combine that with the, the rest of the Ivory Coast portfolio that you're sitting on. I mean, that, the, the, that's a junior company right there that you've already paid for. Yes, and, and we paid at the right time and, 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 and we paid the right price. And, and I think there is years of organic growth to harvest from that acquisition. And uh, that is not to say that we're not gonna look for years, no. But I think for the next 12 months, our management is focused and, and it's not just management, management and capital resources, human and capital resources are gonna be focused on the delivery of Seguela. And that is gonna be good for, for, for example, if we wanna implement finally a, a, a sustainable return to shareholders, we can do that better from three mines operating with 10 years of life of mine. No, so that's what we're building, sustainability and our ability to return to shareholders. And, and that's why Seguela is so strategic for the business. 
And uh, one last question that's coming in here. Do you have a particular, I know you said mid-2023 for first port, Segala. Is there any ability to be more specific there? Or? I can tell you that in, in our Gantt, we have the month of May. Uh, in our Gantt, we have the month of May. But uh, so far, we're tracking right in the middle of May. But this is such a difficult yeah. business that I, I don't want to, I think I say we are comfortable saying in 2023. But I can you know, be open with you and say that in Orgat is May, right? Okay. And Jorge, before we wrap up, uh, first of all, thank you for everything that you've shared. Is there any uh, last comments or anything else that you'd like to pass along to the investors and your audience? No, I, I just want to thank you guys for, for the opportunity. And, and uh, I know uh, you guys have a, a great following and, and we, for good reason. I, I like your perspectives on, 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 on the business, on the sector. And I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate you being here and everything that you're doing. We mentioned to folks, you can find more at fortunasilver.com. You can read the results that just came out or contact Jorge or the Investor Relations for more information. With that said, uh, thank you, Jorge. Thank you, Dave. And thanks to everyone watching at home. Hope you're having a great day out there. And we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. And we 